thanks for listening to our Life Church Utah podcast. We exist to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. We are located here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you can check us out online at lifechurchutah.com. Well, good morning, Life Church. All right, good to have all of you out today. Most of you know that we are in the middle of a series on the book of Romans, but we're going to take four Sundays, the next four Sundays, and we're going to talk about Christmas. We're excited about that. So today, we're going to talk about Jesus, the arrival of the promise, and specifically an Old Testament Christmas. Do you ever think about the Old Testament paralleling with Christmas and the New Testament? Well, you'll have that opportunity today. Also, just a housekeeping item, this would be a great opportunity for those of you with cell phones to silence them. Very good. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to be in your house with your people. Father, I pray that your anointing will rest upon all of us. Open our ears to hear your message today. God, we pray that you will just do the work that you desire to do in each and every one of us. And we commit ourselves to you again in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, as I've stated, Christmas really begins in the Old Testament. You know, you can look all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, specifically chapter 3 as well, where the promise of a Savior, a Redeemer, is made. So if you haven't read Genesis recently, let me encourage you to go ahead and do that, and that'll help you to begin to prepare for this Christmas season. The promise of a coming Messiah filled the pages of the Hebrew Bible. And the Jews were watching for his coming. Now, it's interesting that the Jews use a different arrangement of the Old Testament books than we do. After the first five books, which is called the Pentateuch, there is a mixture of history and prophecy. And then it ends with a number of books where God never speaks. In fact, in two of those books, God is never mentioned. I wonder why that is. There were long years of silence where God seems to be absent from humanity. And you can see that specifically in the Jewish Old Testament. But I think all of this was for a purpose. There was a specific reason for that. And I think it could have been because God designed it that way. He wanted to create a longing in His people for His return. In His book on the Old Testament entitled, The Bible Jesus Read... I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but Jesus actually had a Bible as well. It wasn't the Bible that we have today in our completeness, but he had the Old Testament scriptures. So in his book on the Old Testament, entitled The Bible That Jesus Read, Philip Yancey tells of a Jewish friend of his who leads tour groups in Israel. As he was growing up, his parents had forbidden even the mention of the name of Jesus. But in order to accommodate the Christian groups he was leading, he was forced to read the New Testament and study the life of Christ. He was struck by how the Jewish and Christian faiths intertwined. There were so many similarities. Yancey writes, he learned that the conservative Christian groups believed world history was moving toward a culmination in Israel or in which Israel would play a critical role. They kept talking about the second coming of Jesus quoting the prophecies he had learned in Hebrew school. As he listened to them, he realized that he and they were waiting for the same thing, a Messiah, a Prince of Peace to restore justice and peace 
to a badly fractured world. The Christians were anticipating the Messiah's second coming, and as a Jew, he was still looking for the first coming. Wouldn't it be amazing, he said, if we found out that we were all waiting for the same person? And of course, we are. We are waiting for the same person. We worship Jesus, the Messiah. He was prophesied about in the Old Testament over 2,000 years ago. And guess what? He's going to return one day and he's going to establish his earthly kingdom here on earth. And that's going to be an exciting time. In the Old Testament, he was anticipated. In the New Testament, he is realized. He is the one for whom the world was looking. The world was waiting in response to a promise. So as we celebrate Christmas this year, this Christmas season, we do so, first of all, because it is a Christmas of promise. A Christmas of promise. It says in Isaiah chapter 9, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, the Old Testament was the Bible of Jesus, as I stated earlier. And he understood that he was the fulfillment of its prophecies. He said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think, and this is pertinent for we Christians today, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In John chapter 5, verse 46, he goes on to say, If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. Now, why was a promise needed? Why was a promise needed? I think because these people who were living in gloom and walking in darkness, they were so separated from the God that they had heard about that their ancestors told them about. God's love and the promises of his blessings seemed to be derailed for their generation. They were not living with the benefits of the covenant that God had made with his people. Because of Israel's sin, their land had been overrun by her enemies. Jerusalem had been destroyed and the temple had been looted and burned. They had been taken by their captors and deported to a strange land with abhorrent customs. There were many great promises of the Old Testament prophets. For the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care tried to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So the second thing we realize as we celebrate an Old Testament Christmas is, it is a Christmas of presence. It's a Christmas of presence. 
The presence of Jesus was a promise fulfilled. One day Jesus stood in the synagogue and read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he said the following, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he looked at those around him and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I'm sure some people were excited. Other people were freaked out. Because many didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Many people today don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But the Bible clearly reveals that he is. It was necessary that the Old Testament be fulfilled. Philip Melanchthon once wrote, Of the whole of Scripture, there are two parts, the law and the gospel. The law indicates the sickness, the gospel, the remedy. The law told us about our sin and how far from God we were. The gospel tells us about a Savior and how near God is to us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. But even when the promise was fulfilled, in some people's minds, it seemed to be too good to be true. And God came in a form which they were not expecting. The Messiah was promised, he was prophesied about, and the, the book of Isaiah even says that he would, be, he would come in the form of a baby, but many could not comprehend that. Jesus did not seem like the complete picture they had in mind from their understanding of the Old Testament prophecies. He had to explain to him that he was indeed the one whom the scriptures spoke about. He said to them in John chapter 5, 39 and 40, you diligently study the scriptures because you think by them, think that by them, you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus did not come at that time as a warrior king. He will one day. He came as a humble teacher. He did not come to set up the political security of Israel. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom. He did not come to overthrow the Romans. He was born in a stable instead of a palace. He didn't even have a place of his own to lay his head. Of all the things of, people's, of, all the things the people of Jesus' day could not understand, this was likely the hardest of all. They could accept a Messiah who would kill his enemies but they could not understand a Messiah who would allow his enemies to kill him. They understood power, but they could not understand human weakness and frailty. Fifteen centuries ago, Augustine tried to capture this mystery in words. He said, maker of the sun, he is made under the sun. In the father he remains, from his mother he goes forth. Creator of heaven and earth, he was born on earth under heaven. Unspeakably wise, he is wisely speechless. Filling the world, he lies in a manger. 
Ruler of the stars, he nurses at his mother's bosom. He is both great in the nature of God and small in the form of a servant. Now, the third thing we realize as we celebrate an Old Testament Christmas is it is a Christmas of peace. The good news really speaks of a Christmas of peace. When the promise is made, we have hope, but when the promise is fulfilled, we have peace. He has come, and because He has come, we can live an abundant life. God's Messiah has come, and all will be well. Though it did not appear so, He conquered the world, He defeated death, and He crushed the head of the enemy. Our peace comes from that assurance. What the world did not understand at the time was that the birth of that baby shook the very foundations of the universe. It was a sign that God had won. It was the sign that God had won. He had won even if the world did not recognize his victory. The Lord spoke to the Old Testament prophet Haggai saying, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come, the Messiah. And I will fill this house with glory and in this place I will grant peace. God's son would be the sign that everything would now be different. And the prophet Isaiah also wrote, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What appeared to be weakness was instead divine fulfillment of the Father's plan. It went just the way God had planned it. There were no accidents there. When Jesus met the woman at the well, he said, she said to him, excuse, excuse me, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I who speak to you am he, Jesus said. I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of all the prophecies. In that simple statement, he declared that he was the one. When Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus, he said, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. Now, here's the peace that we need in our hearts for today. It's over. Christ has come. And we know that he will come yet again. And he has defeated the evil of the world. It may not look like it. Just flip on the TV, listen to the radio, drive down Bangator. It certainly doesn't look like it. But the, the enemy has been defeated. And that's through the the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, we're not talking about Easter today, but that's part of the story. That's part of the promise. That's part of the fulfillment of the promise. The fact that Christ has conquered. Evil finds its power in appearance and intimidation. It is like a movie set of an old western town that is all show with no real buildings. It is propped up with sticks. 
Jesus did not, or excuse me, Jesus did not need to come with a great display of power. Evil always has to put up a front of power, but it's only pretense. Since the day Christ came, the time of the reign of evil was dealt a death blow. What this means is that even when it appears evil is winning, it is in reality losing. It is a false edifice, and it will be blown over with one word from the Messiah's mouth. What we are seeing are the dying fits of the kingdom of evil. It really is about to die. There's an amazing scene in the book of Revelation. The great armies of the world under the leadership of the Antichrist gather for battle at the close of history. There's an ominous display of power by these evil forces as they come to oppose God. I try to imagine that. People trying to physically fight against the God of the universe. They have to know that at some, on some level, they have no chance of victory. And yet, they take up the fight. They're going to take down God. Again, the great armies of the world under the leadership of the Antichrist gather for battle at the close of history. There's an ominous display of power by these evil forces as they come to oppose God. And the book of Revelation chapter 19 verses 20 and 21 say, But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse. That's Christ, the Messiah on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Kind of a morbid scene. But God is the victor. And we, his people, can be part of that victory as well. What may surprise us as we read this is that there is a frightening display of force by the enemies of God. But they are totally defeated, the Bible says. As Martin Luther once wrote in his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he says, The Prince of Darkness Grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. And that word was the word that the writer spoke. The sword that came out of his mouth defeated the enemy. God has come to the world. It was promised through the prophecies of the Old Testament. He was present in the New Testament and he will reign eternally. And we can have peace in our hearts because he is in control and the battle has already been won. The angel says to us, and listen, he says to us just like he, he said to the simple shepherds during that first Christmas, you need to hear this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Some of you are living in fear. Some of you are overwhelmed with life. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Does his favor rest on you? It should. It can. But you have to be in relationship with him. So as we celebrate this Christmas season, please remember the following three things. Christmas is full of promise. Christmas is all about the presence of Jesus. And Christmas can be full of peace if you are in relationship with him. Please bow your heads with me. Bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Each of us has received the promise that God loves us and has made a way for us to spend eternity with him. But some of you have not yet invited the presence of Christ into your life. And therefore, you live life with no real sense of peace. But I'm here to say that that can all change for you today. If that's you, if you don't have the peace, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, I want to encourage you to turn your life over to Him today. If you'd like to do that, simply raise your hand. And I want to pray with you. Yes. Anyone else? You need the peace of Christ in your life. All right. You need a relationship with him. Yes. Father God, you see these hands that are raised. I pray that you will honor their faith today. Lord, reveal yourself to them. Help them to enter that personal relationship with you. God, I pray that you will just help their life to be used to bring honor and glory and praise to you. Help them to just grow in you each and every day as they read your word as they talk to you in prayer every day and as they fellowship with good godly people at church. Heads bowed and eyes closed still. There are others of you who are believers. You have a personal relationship with God, but you lack peace right now. You may be looking at your circumstances, your situation, and it may be overwhelming. You may have lost a loved one. You may be facing physical uh, issues, health issues, financial issues, relationship, breakage. If that's you and you'd like prayer today, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you as well. Yes, hands all over. God, you see these hands, most importantly, the hearts that are lifted to you this morning. Father, we pray that you will surround us with your presence today. For those who are hurting, pray that you'll bring peace. For those who are discouraged, I pray that you will bring encouragement. God, help them to see you walking alongside them, walking with them, journeying with them. God, help them to continue to partner with you, I pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness. We pray that you will help us to go in the power of your spirit today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. May the promise of Christmas be yours. But guess what? It's up to you. The promise was made. The promise was fulfilled. But now it's up to us to be in relationship with the Lord so that we will have that peace this Christmas season. Amen.
Don't forget your devotional on the way out and also take advantage of the opportunity to bless some elementary school kids this week. God bless you. Thank you.